This is the Legacy Builder Podcast, show number six. I left the church at about 16, and my goal, I tell everybody this, was to never return to the church. So I wasn't a Christmas and Easter guy. I was a, I'm never darkening the doors of a church ever again. And to the best of my ability, I didn't attend church. You're listening to the Legacy Builder Podcast, seeking out successful people to learn how they got their start, what drives them, and what they want their legacy to be. This show is to document the success of the people around us and have it to learn from for years to come. If you're here to be inspired, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and enjoy the conversation. Welcome in to the Legacy Builder Podcast, episode number six. This is Chris Gibson, along with my co-host, Megan Gibson. And today we get to sit down and talk to a good friend, a mentor, and a leader in our church. And he is the pastor of the First Baptist Church here in Cashin, Oklahoma. And we're excited to get to really tell his story today. I think uh, once people listen to his story, they're really going to be able to relate and hear that, you know, he's kind of gone through some of the things that a lot of people uh, go through in life and uh, really had a calling to the Lord and to uh, being a pastor. And uh, it's a really neat story. So sit back and enjoy the conversation. Our guest today is Mr. Greg Davis. Good Yay. afternoon. Hey, Good afternoon. Yeah. thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to do, uh, be part of this. I'm yeah. glad you guys asked me. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. And, you know, normally we do have business owners, uh, but we really, for the Legacy Builder podcast, everybody is a legacy builder. Everybody's building a legacy. And, Greg, you have a great legacy here. Um, we know that what you do for this church, and everything around the community, you contribute everything to God. We understand that, and we do too, but we appreciate the fact that you're out in the community and uh, do a great job of preaching the Word to us here in the church. So, So, Greg, could you tell us how you got started with Cash and First Baptist? Wow, that's a long story. We had a little while. <laughs> Megan happened. was a little girl. A long right? time yeah. ago. You want to tell, tell them how long yeah, I was here uh, three years before you graduated. So I think yeah. you were either in eighth or ninth grade when uh-huh. I came. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, which is amazing. Go and ahead that's, and tell everyone that yeah, story. By though. the way, this is a really cool part of being a pastor of a church for a long time is you get to see people grow up in the church and then come back and raise their kids in the church. Yeah. Nothing better. But the call to this specific church is I was a student at OBU. I was going full time because I'm um, I'm a one track mind person, and Gretchen knew that, and so Gretchen was willing to say, "If you'll go, I'll put you through school." She was working at that time, uh, full time Monday through Friday as a dental hygienist. She said, "You go get it over with because we know you can't multitask, <laughs> and I can't. I'm not a multitasker. I had to have my mind on one thing." So I was a full time student. I'd been there about three years. Gretchen, uh, in 2000, I believe that was late 2003, we found out she was pregnant with Avery. Mm -hmm. And we started to pray right then that I would find a church because she kind of had a desire to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to honor in that because she had put me through school. 
we started praying about that, had not put a resume anywhere. <laughs> not one. <laughs> not one. Not one single resume. And I came back to school about two weeks after we prayed, and one of my professors said, there's a church that's looking at you. And I said, how'd they get my name? And he said, I put it in. Another professor there, Bobby Kelly, put my name in. And it happened to be the search committee from First Baptist Church of Cashin. How crazy. The tiniest little church yes. also. So what were your thoughts? I've heard this story, but what were your thoughts whenever you and Gretchen decided to drive out to Cashin? Tell us that. Um, so the church called me. They were interested in talking to me. They were given three or four names from the university. Mine happened to be one of those names. I was the last guy that they talked to because everybody else turned them down. And they were looking at my name and kind of looking at a little bit of the resume thing as far as uh, my schooling and no ministry experience. And they were thinking I was a guy who was you know 21 years old and they didn't want to talk to a guy that young. And then when he calls me, he finds out, you know, I'm, I think I'm 28 at that time, uh, 29. They find out, you know, I'm an older guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I back up for just a second. I may have been already 30 at that time. And uh, they find out I'm a little bit older and that, that was a little bit better fit for them. And so they called and asked if I would meet with the church. Gretchen and I drove up and, and Megan, I think, knows the story, but it was we were going to drive up an hour early and drive around the town thinking we had all this time to burn and we drove through and gretchen basically said where's the town yeah i think that's it and we sat at what we now call the corner store we sat there for one hour before we met with the search committee which i would love to say this was brad knoll if you remember gary leeson uh-huh. gary leeson was on that Dottie jennings was on that uh susie gallimore mm-hmm. Kathy Adams, some great, great people that we still was have. Was Jim great. Stover on that committee? Jim Stover was not. Jim, okay. Jim was at a different church at that time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so some great people on that committee. And we literally, we were looking at another church at that time. Another church was looking at us. And when, when we finished with that church, Gretchen just said, oh, I don't want to go there. But when we came here, we both just said, this is somewhere That's we it. could serve. How does... The fact that you've been here for how many years now? 19. 19 years compared to other pastors. That doesn't really happen that often, does it? It doesn't. And I can tell you that even when I came here, the the thought from the guy who was kind of my mentor at that time, well, several guys were mentors at that time. They had an interim here and he said, you're going to do two years here and then you'll probably go to a bigger church and you'll do this and go to another bigger church. And my mentor in Oklahoma City virtually said the same thing give them three years of your life and then move, and move on, on. And, yeah. yeah which it's kind of ironic because you did stay here and you have moved to a bigger church yes not <laughs> moved a different church we just have grown so much yes tell me a little bit about how many members were in the church whenever you first started to where has the church grown to today yes um, the church and Megan probably remembers this was comprised primarily at that time of youth uh, Brad and Rita did an incredible job reaching the community, reaching the youth, and there was a small uh, congregation. And, and really, if I were to say, it might have been three or four families. And if we look at what we had attending on a regular basis, I think there was about 25 or 30 at that time attending on a regular basis. When we first came and I came to preach what they call in Baptist life, preach in view of a call, 
the church was pretty crowded because you had people who had not attended who wanted to see the new guy and, yeah. <laughs> and they took a vote and the, I think the vote was unanimous. It, it was, but then after that very small, you know, 25, 30 on a Sunday morning. And I think that first year, maybe we grew to 50 or 60 and two or three years after that, we ran 75 and, and then we grew to a hundred. But if you remember anything about that old church, uh, getting a hundred people in there was a miracle. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. a miracle. It's very tiny, which I just remember the attendance board where you would yes. have to like manually plug in the numbers. Like it was, yeah, you may not know this, but Lane Broadbent, I tried to throw that in the dumpster and he stole it out of the dumpster. I think and, <laughs> I and love it. he wanted that Sunday school attendance board. It's somewhere in this church. Still yeah. this day. I think yeah. every little Baptist church has one of those. Yes. Somewhere. Yeah. 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 And, and the people who did the handwritten records at that time always got mad because the kids would put 400 in attendance or, <laughs> yeah. They would put 40 and they yeah. would add a zero and, you know, 678 given and then be $6,700 given. Yeah, I think I was guilty of doing that. Yes, you were probably yeah. one of those. Kyle yeah. Williams was yeah. awesome. That's where you started in that little bitty church, and now you're in, in the church we're in now, and we're now growing even more just yeah. past something to to build on to the church, which is an exciting yeah. time for which sure. Which is, you know, a really cool story about this church and my ministry, and I'm not saying anything about me. I'm just, honestly, our goal was never growth. It, it never was. We wanted to reach people, but I told people yesterday in our new members, uh, luncheon, you know, I don't go around begging other people from other churches to attend our church. I, that's never been my, as they would say, my MO. Uh -huh. I want to win people to Christ. I want to see people grow in Christ. And that our church was never that way. We didn't, we didn't want to poach people from other churches, but that happened naturally. You know, there were churches in Oklahoma City that had problems and people that were attending there came here. And so the growth has just been, I guess you'd say a little bit organic. We, we never were were aggressively trying to grow the church. It just happened. Which I think as a member, I and this is what I tell people whenever they're looking for a church is I think that the growth is mainly attributed to how you preach and really how God has laid on your heart to preach of just opening the Bible and going verse by verse through mm -hmm. the Bible where you don't get that yeah. in a lot of churches. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes. I, I think God is always faithful to grow a church when we preach the Bible. And I know there are other churches certainly that do that, but that was uh, that was another thing that was not my. When I first came here, I was doing the the sermons on anger and the sermons on anxiety and and just going through more of the topical messages and and I was getting worn out running out of topics yeah. to preach and <laughs> and uh, I, I had an influential person in seminary and then a mentor in my life that said. Hey, just open the Bible and preach it. And I want to tell you guys a story real quick, if you're okay yeah. with me kind of stopping in the middle of this and saying something. I was helping at that time. Brad and Rita, like I said, did an incredible job. They were gone. And, and I think I'd been here maybe six months to a year. And they sent their son-in-law up here. His name was Tony Capicelli. I don't know how many of you know uh -huh. him. Do you know yeah. Tony? And uh, I was running out of topics to preach. Uh, you know, been through the anger, anxiety, going through the A's, moving yeah. into the B, <laughs> and just kind of preaching topically. And I told Tony, I said, just a little bit out of frustration, I said, what do I do? How, how do I min minister to this church? And he said, they want you to preach the Bible. He said, that's what they want. 
And I said, okay. And he said, just open up the Bible and start preaching. And it was, it was like an aha moment for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I tell everybody that was kind of a turning point in my ministry. And I, I say I'd been here six months or a year, it may have been a little bit longer than that, but that's when the tide started to turn a little bit. And I look back at those early sermons and I said, nobody's ever going to find those because I've burned those. <laughs> and we were still running a cassette player at that time, by the way, Sean and Karen McCoy running a cassette player. And oh, my greatest hit cassettes are hidden somewhere. You'll never hear those. <laughs> the thing is, you know, this podcast, we talked to a lot of business owners that, you know, they've made some mistakes. They're, when you jump into business, I've made mistakes. Megan made, has made mistakes on never. things that we've done. Never, ever. Sorry, yeah. not never. Megan. I know Megan. <laughs> um, but that's one thing that you have to learn. You have to get in and just jump in and start doing something. And if you make a mistake, then you take that and learn from it. And you're probably going to make another one. Yeah. And uh, But don't let that kind of get you down. And it sounds like you took some direction and you took some uh, feedback from your parishioners and listened to God and, and really yeah. kind of structured the way you do things now. And it is, it is very impactful for my life and my family's life. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, I appreciate that. And, and one of the things you talk about learning from your mistakes, I could naturally get up in front of people and talk. And I thought that meant you were a good preacher. And it really does not mean that. It means you're a good speaker. It doesn't mean you're a great preacher. (laughs) And so that was the lesson that I had to learn was just because I can get up and, and speak doesn't mean I'm a great preacher. So I had some people that God placed in my life that showed me how to preach. Yeah, I love that, which um, you have mentioned a couple of people who have been impactful in your career. That Mm -hmm. is one question that we typically ask people are, are there a handful or just maybe one specific mentor who has guided you into this career and kind of helped you keep it going? So I I want to mention three people that, uh, and and I'll tell you a little bit of why each of them were Uh impactful. Uh, Gretchen's dad was is, has been a pastor for over 50 years had a huge influence on in my life as far as the way he loved people the way that he ministered uh you know and and i was under him as a youth pastor working as a youth intern and which is that terrifying working under your it father-in-law was, yeah it tell was. me his tell me his name danny hinkle danny okay. yeah danny hinkle and uh he's as a matter of fact he's out in arizona you guys know that he's been out there about 14 years 13 or 14 years and that was kind of a second second ministry career for him because he was at his church for 30 years. Wow. Stepped away from that. He's been in ministry over 50 years total. And uh, so he's still out there in Arizona. Huge impact. Like I said, watching him minister to people. He he took me out on some uh, some visits with people that were sick and prayed over them. So that was a huge impact. And then at, at uh, OBU, there was a professor there named Bobby Kelly who I tell everybody this was a watershed moment for me, but I wanted everybody to give me the answers. And Bobby Kelly said, you go find the answers. He said, that's what a preacher does. He goes and finds the answers. And so that was a huge moment for me. Also the way he preached was huge for me. Uh, The third person, and I think you guys heard this in the sermon yesterday. Maybe. Mentor was Tim Stewart. Oh yeah, uh, he was a uh, he was a worked for the city actually. Worked well, he worked for the Turnpike Authority. But I was a new Christian, baby Christian, and Tim took me under his wing 
and taught me how to be a Christian, taught me how to be a dad, huge impact on me and showed me how they guided me and how to teach and preach. Those would be the three probably top impactful persons. But I want to include on there my wife. And the reason I want to include her is because I had no confidence going to college. I basically flunked out of junior college, was headed to OBU. And I don't know if you know this about OBU, academic standards are extremely high. And I was going to OBU as a guy who had flunked out of junior college. <laughs> and Gretchen said, you can do it. You, you can do it. You have the gifts, the abilities. And she really, God used her because I was scared to death. And I'll tell you guys a story. And this is the honest truth. I went to get my transcript from Rose State College to take to OBU. It was so bad. I threw it out the window Oh gosh! <laughs> and literally threw it out the window on the highway. And Gretchen, we had to go back and get it and take it back. But I went there as a student and I know you asked about, about influences, but I went there as a student under academic probation. The dean of the school was very reluctant to let me into the school. He did not want me there. <laughs> and, oh, he, wow. and he said, I'm going to give you one warning and that's it. Which I feel like it for a lot of people, they would hear that and maybe turn away. So thankfully you didn't. Yeah, it, I would probably if it would have just been me there, but my wife was with me. And when we left, she said, he just made me mad. She was not going to let you fail. No. And, and uh, you know, going back as a student, paying for your own college, mm -hmm. it's a different experience and much older which I've told you this before about Gretchen. I love, one, I love listening to your sermons. They're very impactful. But I love watching Gretchen yeah. watch you give your sermons. I say I attribute her to being like a dance mom. Yeah. She's watching you like her eyes are so proud. Yes. And she's <laughs> like not, not mimicking, but mouthing the words that you're yes. saying and like, wanting you to stick the landing and whenever you do yes. then she's yeah. like big smile i just it's like one of my favorite things about church. funny funny story brad and vicky who are worship pastor here and his wife and just great people and uh two or three sundays ago i just said man i feel off i, I i'm not on my game today and then the second service i felt the same way and they both reached out to me that week and they said, Gretchen wasn't at church. And I said, yeah, you're right. She wasn't. So <laughs> it, it was, it was, it, it's been, God has really used her as a voice in my ministry yeah. know, to guide me in some things. And, well, that's the thing about, you know, I kind of just keep kind of relating back over to business side of things is you need that. If it's your spouse or business partner or somebody that can really be there to help you along the way, and even on those days that you aren't feeling the best, that encouragement is a huge thing. And I think Gretchen does a lot of encouraging. She and, does for and, sure, and just more than listen, anybody knows. I yeah, promise you. Yeah. And just listening to you preach, I mean, it's it's almost like you're you guys are a team. Even when you're preparing, you say you run it by her. Oh yes. Megan just said she kind of mouths the sermons, probably because yeah. she's heard it. Like, yes. Because you you guys go over that yeah, together. The, the early years, the bad preaching. I, I mean, <laughs> I felt sorry for her in those early years, but she was a great. Uh, critic and i don't mean that in a negative way she was a great critic of my sermons in the sense of being able to to say hey you said this you kept repeating this phrase don't do that next time and and it was always very gracious uh -huh. and if i ever said how did it go and she said oh um it, yeah okay yeah it was okay <laughs> and then i knew to push a little bit harder and she would kind of throw out 
some areas that I needed to clean up in the sermon or that I went too long on something or she doesn't like when you belabor one point too long. And, and, yes. and, and she's a good, you know, she got a good eye for preaching because she grew up in the church and grew up under a lot of great preachers. And mm-hmm. well, so. and she, you can just even just talking with Gretchen and, um, we should have had her on. I mean, really, she's kind of the better half out of Yeah, we can, do, we can do a second podcast. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but if you just listen to Gretchen talk, you can just tell she's filled with the spirit. And yeah. I mean, listening to her pray, like anytime I hear her pray, I start crying. Yeah. I don't tell people that, but she's so good yeah. at it. And so yeah. very yeah. lucky to have her. I am very. A lot of people don't know your background. Don't yeah. know, you know where you came from, your, how you were raised. Greg Davis as a young man in, in okay. grade school, and then yep. go forward from there. Uh, born in Oklahoma City, 1972. Uh, so I'm 50, just turned, well, I say I just turned 50 years old. I've turned 50 years old a few months ago. But uh, parents raised us in Oklahoma City until I was eight years old. And we went to John Glenn schools, went to Western Heights. That was the high school that we fed into. And during the 70s, there was kind of a movement out of the the inner cities. And so my parents moved us out to Choctaw Home Horse School District, 1980. My sister was a sophomore in high school at that time. My brother was a freshman and I was going into the third grade. So I have older siblings. They moved us out there. That is where I established all of my lifelong friends. Uh, I don't really talk to anybody from Oklahoma City. We had church friends that we had, but I didn't uh, have a lot of good friends there, but all of my friends starting in third grade until I graduated and kind of latched on to all those guys. And still to this day, we talk and text and periodically meet for dinner. So that's where my life was really built was in the Choctaw Comport School District. Parents raised us in church there and then graduated, like I said, in 1990. And, and I'll give you a little bit of work history, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From 1990 to 1994, uh, worked as a swimming pool. Uh, I guess you call it uh, being a pool boy. So oh, that's, very I served nice. As, yeah, served as swimming pool pools. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And then from 94 to 99, I was in the car business as a car seller. So 90 to 94, that would have been, how old were you? Right uh, 18 there? until I was about 22. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, worked as a pool boy. During that time, went to Rose State College, and uh, I think you've heard me tell the stories. That was not a good time. In my well, life. that's the thing is we we have heard that story. Yeah. Can you kind of tell us? So from that time up until we, I mean, through the car when you so you were going to say yeah when you turned twenty two you started working that car dealership. Car dealership. Right? Yes. Um, that was a dark period in my life. If I'm going to be real honest with you, just uh, I was uh, just parties and things of that nature, was not serious about life, had no direction in my life, wanted a paycheck to be able to fuel whatever I wanted to do. I mean, there was no vision or direction. You're talking about legacy building. There was no legacy building going on during that time (laughs) in my life. It was literally just one party after another and just kind of a reckless life, no direction, no vision for the future. Um, and not really looking to be a pastor no, at that time. No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. The dark, I think the contrast between hearing some of the stories of you going out and partying, and we've heard a couple stories of you going out and getting into fights and yes. just being real aggressive, yes. is completely different from your life now. Yeah, how, so tell us a little bit about how 
that contrast, how you changed from, or what was the process from going from that lifestyle to now you're a pastor of a huge church? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I would tell you is that God uh, kind of ordains our steps, whether we're seeing it at work or not, uh, that he's still working in our life. And at Rose State College, that's where I met Gretchen. And uh, Gretchen and I, she sat in front of me in, in a government class. And I was always asking her to go out on dates and, <laughs> and asking her, you know, let me buy you a Coke or let me do this, do that. And she would always say no. She said she had a boyfriend that lived in Missouri, which she did. She was, oh, I was like, yeah, she no, she was being honest. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she was just there for a semester to get some credits. She'd gone to a Bible college, came back, was going there and was going to head back to Missouri Southern to be a dental hygienist and met her during that time tried to date her, she refused. Five years later, and I won't take all the context of this because it's too long, but uh, five years later got reunited with her and we'd been dating for several months and she just basically said, if this is gonna work, you're gonna need to go to church. And I love that. Yeah, and I started to attend her dad's church and was in that church for about a year. And then the Lord did a radical work in my life. I started, uh, when you say the call to ministry, I want to tell you how this happened. From the minute I was converted to Christianity in 1999, which was September of 1999, we were married in July of 1999, September of 99, uh, I come to know the Lord. Immediately, people started to ask me, would you share your testimony? And that honestly started with third graders fourth graders, fifth graders. And then I was asked by one of the youth ministers, would you share your testimony with the seventh graders and the, and the you know, junior high, high schoolers? And I did that. Then they asked me to start working with youth. And then I ended up, that's where my call to ministry happened is I loved working with kids. And I did that for about three years. I was a youth intern. You'll hear me say I did three years in youth ministry. I was a youth intern at her dad's church and then started to go to OBU during that time. And the rest is history. I love that whole story of kind of, you know, from beginning to end to where you're at now. Can I, can we kind of revisit? Because the reason I want to revisit this is because this is kind of my life, right? Okay. I grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. I went to college, had a dark period. Yeah. But during that dark period, I'm, you know, I knew I wasn't doing the right things. And I always say this, Megan and I say this a lot during our Legacy Builder podcast. You can have a good legacy or a bad legacy. Yeah. It's kind of what you make of it. And you said it a while ago of, um, you know, I didn't even have a legacy to really speak of during that time. Can you speak on um, during that time of in that dark, dark period? What was your mindset of life in general? Were you did you were you a Christian? Did you have that? before the church were you really in the church a lot before that and you know when you went into that kind of dark period before you found god yeah how, was uh, he there knocking on uh, yeah, yeah, let me say this jake mckeever has a phrase that he used the testimony building years and <laughs> yeah. you had testimony building years mine were mine were much darker than that and and i'm going to say this to you all I, I gave you kind of a general sweep of my family history my parents raised us in church. Their best friends 
uh, were ministry people, the pastor of the church, Bob Ross and Ron Fannin and and uh, Charles Cusick and, and deacons in the church that literally I can't remember a Sunday that our lives were not spent with those people. So I'm going I'm to give you some details in those years if you're okay with that. Yes, but uh, like I said, the Cusicks and the Fannins and the Rosses, my parents basically did what we would call doing life with those people back in the 70s. You didn't call it that, but uh, that was our life. That's all we knew was being around church people, everything. When we moved to Nacoma Park, there were still friends in the church, and we were close to people, the Murrays and other people that were in the church. And, and uh, so I knew nothing but the church. Mm-hmm as a young kid. And I was a, I was what I, you would call a moral boy, a moral kid. I tried to do the right thing. Uh, at 16, 15 years old, had a little bit of a falling out with a youth minister at the church who had done my parents wrong on some financial things and, and some other things like that. And, and they, you know, financially, they were not able to lose money the, to the degree of what they were. And, and that's a long story. Maybe we can sit down and have that story some other time, but uh, I got real bitter toward the church at that time. And so I left the church at about 16. And my goal, I tell everybody this, was to never return to the church. So I wasn't a Christmas and Easter guy. I was a, I'm never darkening the doors of a church ever again. And to the best of my ability, sorry, to the best of my ability, I didn't attend church. I stayed away from it. I think there may have been an occasional Mother's Day or something I'd show up to to make my mom happy, but uh, was introduced the end of my junior year, going into my junior summer, introduced to alcohol, and uh, just being very transparent here, and this may not make the final cut, that's okay, long legacy of alcohol in our family. Uh, grandfather who was an alcoholic, uncles who were alcoholics. I mean, both sides have uh, had alcoholism. So I naturally had a great love for that when I started to drink and that sent me in a very dark period. And you said, Chris, what was my mindset? It honestly had nothing to do with other than to, to gratify, satisfy my flesh, which I say my sinful nature, that's all I lived for. I didn't want a career. I didn't want a family. I didn't want a wife. I just, I wanted to satisfy those things. And and only I know that because I'm the one who lived that. Uh-huh. And uh, I went through a really dark period uh, about 1997 to 98. And I was living with my brother at that time. And he started to go back to church. He'd grown up in church as well. But Lord really started to work in his life. And he was just pleading with me. I think we lived together for a year and a half, two years. Go to church with me. Go to church with me. Go to, I'm not going to church. I'm never going back to church. And uh, that period, you said, was I thinking about God? No, I, I didn't have any desire for the things of God. When Gretchen came back on the scene, invited me to church, I don't know other than the fact that she was beautiful and was asking me to go to church. And I was thinking, okay, I'll do for you. I'll do the church thing. And so literally you the were, Lord just started to put people in my life. So when you were, what got you back to go to Rose State College? Because you said you just didn't care. You were, well, Rose no... State College was right out of high school. Okay. Uh, yeah, I okay. just was there. Uh, I tell everybody the story. You know, I was there for four years uh-huh. and it's a two-year college. <laughs> but it was, that was just party central for me. And I was there just, 
basically to use a really harsh term, just screwing off in yeah. life. So you were doing that. Uh, while by you the way, Tishner was there. Uh, his buddies were there. That's where I met all of those guys. Was okay. at Rose State College. And so you were going there during the Cabana cleaning pool cleaning. Yes, yes, yes. I was a, a, a pool guy going to college and. I, basically, I was doing that. I was going to college because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a nurse, and I basically flunked the classes to put you in the pre-nurse. And at that time, Rose State College was just starting their their nursing program. Uh, you know, flunked too many classes to even apply for that. Then I got into criminal justice. And I was telling everybody I was going to be a police officer, which I did have a desire to be a police officer, but uh, did not do well (laughs) in criminal justice. And again, you could cut this if you want to, but I was in my last group of classes there that I could take. And and there was a guy there from Midwest City. He and I drank before the final and I was too intoxicated to go take the final. And he went and told the teacher said he needs to retake it. And he said, I'm not buying it. And oh, they, they were catching on to this with, with me and with some others. And it was just, honestly, it was a dark period uh, in those years. And I tell everybody this. I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for my church members of having literally no direction in life at all. Which that was going to kind of be my next question of if you could go back and talk to yourself, maybe whenever you're getting out of high school, getting into the really dark period is there something that you would go back and try to tell yourself of course yeah of of the damage that it does to your life and your um there's a lot of wreckage in my past that that i wish i go back and undo that would be one thing is just to say you're not going to enjoy looking back on those things when i thought when i was in the middle of doing those this is fun this is how this Mm -hmm. is how life ought to be and to be honest with you, I had friends who I grew up with that have all become doctors and principals and heads of, of companies. And all the guys I ran around with became extremely successful. They were all really hard workers, uh, you know, things of that nature. I just didn't have any direction in life. And I don't know why. I just didn't. And I didn't want any direction in life. Which we don't really normally ask this question, but we do ask the go back and give yourself some advice, which you just answered. What about going forward with your own children who are being raised in church? Is there Are there certain things that you and Gretchen are telling your kids so that maybe they don't have that same path as you? I tell them, don't do what I did. <laughs> and and yeah. so I try to talk to them. And, and so there's the Christian part of this, but then it overlaps with the practical part of this. Set goals. Think about your future. Think about what you want to do. Pray pray that God gives you direction. Things like that. Mm-hmm. So we've talked with each of our kids about what they want to do. And, and by the way, I don't lay any of this blame on my parents. They were hard, hard workers yes. and always provided for us, always had direction. Like my mom was incredible with money in stretching a penny as far as you could stretch it. My brother was very driven. My sister's a hard worker. You know, I work hard. I worked hard in the car business. I worked hard in the pool business. But it was just having no direction. I, like I said, that was there just to fulfill me needing money to do what monetary, I do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But yeah, I tell them to set goals. Yeah, love it. How important, though, do you think 
that time in your life was to really form who you are to be able to minister to people and say this is who i was look at what god did for my life yeah what Chris, did for you i tell this to people all the time and i even had a very godly man tell me this one time who had really quote unquote kept his nose clean you know through his uh, young years and into his uh, you know 30s and 40s and he said, man, you can minister to people in a way that I can't mm -hmm. because I have people set before me and they think they're telling me something that's going to shock me. Yeah. <laughs> and I always say, you're not going to shock me. I promise. Mm -hmm. God has used that part of that darkness in my life to be able to never be traumatized by what people are telling me. Which if someone is listening to this and maybe they are struggling with a dark period, I think it's a great inspiration, too, for them to hear that you can go through those times. But really, like God plucked you out of yes, that and changed 100%. your life. And, and it makes you the fact that you went through that. You're not going to judge people. No, you you. if you judge them, you're almost judging yourself. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. that. People make mistakes. People go down the wrong path for a long, long time. Yeah. And it, a lot of times that those people are just as good a person, right? But they're that, they just didn't have that Christian influence. So the fact that you can really say, hey, I, w I was you. Yeah. I was there. And yeah. you can turn it around. That's yeah, a, a I, huge My thing. uncle called me today, and he happened to listen to our sermon from last week. And I was telling a little bit of my story about, you know, the unwise man and the wise. And I said Gretchen was a picture of wisdom, and I was a picture of, of, of the unwise man because she always had goals in mind, always thought about her parents, always thought about her witness. Not that she never made mistakes. That's, that's not what I'm saying, and she wouldn't even say that to you. But... Uh, she had an overall goal in life, which was to be a direction driven vision, you know, having vision and direction in her life, getting to a goal, meeting it in a short period of time, not milking her parents' pocketbooks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, that was just not me. I didn't think that way. But yes, I can go back and, and tell my, what I was going to say about my uncle calling is he said, man, young people can relate to where oh, yeah. you are, where you were. And I tell them all the time, you know, don't do what I did. Yeah. Which I think both Chris and I, our stories, we can relate to what you went through. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of not, it's refreshing to be able to hear that yes. you didn't just get out of school, choose ministry, you lived a perfect life, you know, because yeah. no one does. I think it's good to hear yeah. that you had some bumps and you came back. I've told people this, and I'm not saying this to be, you know, Mr. Humble or whatever. I tell everybody when I came here, I was too dumb to know how to run a church or anything. I mean, I literally got saved out of, I, I call it paganism. You know, I, I was just a, in a really dark place, got saved, was under some really good people. I didn't know anything about ministry. Here's what I knew is I loved people mm -hmm. and I wanted to help people. And then I told you, you know, a couple of years in this, I came down with two principles that I have adhered to to this day. And I'll tell you the cool thing about how God does uh, works. As I said, I'm going to preach the Bible and I'm going to love people. Mm -hmm. Those were the two principles. I said, those are two things I can do pretty well. At least I think yes. you can tell me otherwise. But Agreed. then God brought people who complimented my gifts. And, I, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to someone right now is Brad Stone. I knew you were going yeah, there. Brad Stone 
vision setter, uh, you know, goal guy. And he comes and he starts saying, what's your five year, what's your 10 year? I'm going, dude, I don't even think that way. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, I, I said, I'm going to show up next Sunday and yeah. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm going to preach. But Brad started to talk about looking into the future. And that was a huge, he got me thinking in a different way, staff meetings, uh, you know, casting a vision for the next year, doing this, doing that. And man, God was so good sending him to me. And, and I pray he never leaves the church. Brad, yes. if you're listening, Brad Stone, if you're listening, please never leave the <laughs> yes. church. We are all pleading. Yeah, yeah we're pleading. Yeah. But Brad is that guy that I needed to compliment my ministry. Like I said, I show up and I preach and I love on people and I minister to the best of my ability, but I was not that guy looking 10 years down the road. And if anybody asked me, they were probably disgusted in my answers. I don't know. Cause I don't know what I'm going to do next. Yeah. <laughs> so preach the Bible and love, and love people. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. A great, Perfect. Yeah. So we always like to ask our guests, you know, the last question we always like to bring up is we're all legacy builders. We're all building a legacy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? What is it, what is it that you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? Well, I can tell you that this has been my long-term goal. Megan is, is that person, Rhiannon, others, and I say this, is to see generational faithfulness come to this community and this church. And, and I looked at my ministry early on and, and I was just like, you know, you have, let, let me give you some names. You had Brad and Rita, you had Sean and Karen, you had Wayne and Sandra, you had uh, the Broadbents, Amy and Lane. They were just faithful, faithful people, served beside me, went through the periods where uh, Ed and Susie Gallimore, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the name, the list goes on and on about that small little church and, and the people who were serving and doing everything. But I wasn't seeing that next generation. But then Jake and Christy came 15 mm-hmm. years ago and they had kids start raising their kids in church. And that was kind of the, the domino that started that generational faithfulness. So I said, that's what I wanted to see is generations raised in the church, then raising their families in the church. So they were that domino because you may not know this. I had the opportunity to lead Jake McKeever to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he is a, I mean, they're pillars in this church. Uh-huh. Christie's a pillar in the church. That's what I wanted to see. And I tell everybody that that's the preach the Bible, love people and see the generations transformed for Christ. When I was just about to say that goes hand in hand with what you, your pillars are of, of preaching the Bible and loving people. And that right there keeps people and families in the church. Coming back. Yeah. yeah. Coming back. So, yeah. But now we're seeing, uh, you know, Bailey Broadbent, now Bailey mm-hmm. Maroney and Megan Hadley, now Megan Gibson. And, and you look at Rhiannon Sappenfield and, and, you know, all those that are coming back and raising their families in the church. I'm going, that was always my dream. That was always my vision. I never put that out there, but I, it, I mean, when I would talk to guys at seminary or I would talk to people in ministry, that's what I would say my goal is. And I knew that you had to stay somewhere in order for that to happen. You're welcome for letting all your dreams come true. Yes. <laughs> yes. All no. for God's glory. Definitely. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now that's a, that's a great legacy to leave. Just wanting to have that generational belief in God and, and, 
having people that will raise their family in that uh, faith is an awesome legacy to have. Which I think for the member, too, of the generational faith and coming back, it's so neat to see some of the members who are still here. Like, I know Kathy Adams, they have left. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Caitlin. Caitlin would be the same. Caitlin Adams. And then, um, like, still seeing Ed Gallimore and seeing Susie Gallimore, who were there whenever I was a infant, yeah. you know, in the church. It's super cool to see that my mm-hmm. kids are running around the same church where I grew up in. Yeah. So I just yeah. love it. Well, I think we got, I do want to touch on one more thing, but really yeah. fast, if that's okay, which I wanted to say this um, past Sunday, you kind of like cut me to my core a little bit, just because you had said, you know, I think sometimes as a business owner, I take that on as a little bit of my identity of like, this is the most important thing that I'm doing. But you even said this past Sunday of that's not the most important thing, you know, starting a business, that's great, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is glorifying God and making sure that no matter what you're doing, you're living for God and giving that. And you can do that through a business. I think, and and I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I can remember people coming to me, and wanting to start businesses, and they would say, what do you think? And I said, is it going to take you away from the church? Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to be here every Sunday. And I've seen three guys over my time in ministry who were faithful church attenders, churchgoers, started a business, and it consumed them, and you never saw them again. And I said, man, I I don't look at that as a good thing. Mm -hmm. I look at that as a detrimental thing for your family, for you, for the community. But then there are those people who start a business and they say, I want to glorify God with this business. And they do that. They Mm -hmm. use it. You know, there's so many people that use their ministries. You know, you remember John Manus and and people like that that came to this church. It's like he used his money to help people and to launch ministries and things of that nature. And and I can tell you stories about Lane Broadbent and, and the generosity that he has. Those are the things I go, that's all I'm saying about use that business mm-hmm. because God has called us to work, right? right. I mean, we, we don't sit around and twiddle our thumbs. He's called us to work and work hard. I'm just saying sometimes that becomes the identity and consumes a person and, and they lose their direction. Uh-huh. They lose their direction. And, I, and like I said, I've seen that happen three different times when people say, man, I'm going to use this to glorify God. And it consumed it, making it all about money. And it's, and it's sad. Which I think is an easy thing to do once you are like a business owner and maybe not super grounded in your faith. And so I think yeah. for someone who is looking for success, just constantly having that reminder of this isn't everything, you know, really my identity is in Christ. And yeah, the one thing that God says in the Old Testaments and Deuteronomy and, and God says, don't forget who gave you these, these abilities. Mm-hmm. And I think one way we can do this, and I think when we give and, and we say, I, I'm going to give tithes, I'm going to help with missions, is we're recognizing, God, without you, I don't have this money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why we give is recognizing I don't have this without God. Right. So I think running a business is great. I think running a business with integrity and running a business with, you know, looking for uh, what is the word we call it here? Brad says it all the time, you know, with excellence. That's what the way you ought to do it. All right, Man, let's do it again. Let's I do it again. Know. Let's find it. I'd love to circle back around with you all. It was great. It is fun. Yeah. Um, just getting to because you don't get to sit down and talk to people yeah. all the time. So no, I appreciate it. Well, that does it for the conversation with Mr. Greg Davis. 
Uh, how awesome was it that we got to have him on and really sit down and pick his brain today, Megan? Yeah, I just love Greg. I love what he's doing within our church and our community. Um, I think people don't always give him and his family the credit that they really deserve of how much they do for our community. I think a lot of that is behind the scenes. And so I am just extremely thankful that they are in my life and they have really blessed our family. And I'm glad that others got to hear his story today. Well, that does it for the sixth episode of the Legacy Builder podcast. Thank you guys for jumping on and listening to Mr. Greg Davis's testimony today. You know, his legacy of preaching the Bible and loving all people is a great one to leave. And, you know, the effects on that is, you know, he's there to tell me, you know, hey, I was that person too. I made mistakes. I'm not perfect. But if you let God really lead what you're doing, great things are possible. And to have a guy like that that can mentor me, that can mentor Megan, and the way that we raise our families and the way that we build our businesses, that's a great, great thing to have at our fingertips, and we appreciate him being here in our community. And with that, I'm going to leave you with what I leave you every single week, and that is, what is your legacy? Because we are all legacy builders.